Uh, good morning. Hope you've had a good week. Had some beautiful weather. And uh, it is hard to believe that last Sunday was Easter. It seems like it's been, uh, I don't know, it's been a good week, but it seems like that's a long time ago. But uh, we're going to be starting in today um, kind of a sub-series following a series, okay? Um, we did the Heart of Jesus series uh, following through the Upper Room Discourse before Easter, where we went from John 13 uh, up through 16. And I had intention, uh, my original intention was to uh, include John 17 in that, but as uh, time went along, I wanted to spend more time in John 17, and that really wasn't going to be possible. Uh, plus, I uh, wanted to focus on Palm Sunday and Easter the last two weeks. So uh, in light of that, this is a, a new series for four weeks in John 17, which I'm calling the heart of Jesus uh, as well. And uh, this is related to his prayer. Some have called it the high priestly prayer. Uh, it is certainly a prayer related and connected to the discourse he has been giving his disciples there in the upper room. So uh, kind of take your minds again back into where we were before the Easter season, and uh, we're going to get into this prayer, which uh, is related to all he had been saying to the disciples. Matter of fact, you note as we look at John 17 that the, uh, the very first words that we read here as he prepares for the prayer, uh, it says, after saying all these things, we read in the descriptor. So it all relates to what he's been saying. And so um, we're going to be hearing from Jesus as he prays, uh, as he prays to the Father. Uh, we're going to hear his heart. We're going we're to get the picture from within him of what is so important to him. And uh, today we're focusing on bringing glory to God. So let's Read uh, verses 1 to 5 here uh, of John 17, reading from the New Living Translation. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Obviously, here in the first part of this prayer, we see that the heart of Jesus, the first thing he prays about is to bring glory to God. Giving God glory. We hear a lot about that in church circles. We sang about it this morning. Um, as I've been thinking about it all week, um, i got to tell you, one of the things I think about is, what is glory? <laughs> you know, what's that mean? Um, and and i got to tell you, as I think about that, I, I can give you a definition. I can give you some uh, insight, I think, to what it really means. Probably you'll get it. You have it already. But I think there's an element of this that really is mystical. It's, it's beyond our grasp completely when we talk about the glory of God. kind of makes sense. I mean, God is beyond us. <laughs> He's greater than us. Um, 
for us to fully grasp who he is and to give him the glory he deserves is, is beyond us. Don't quite get it. I think it's okay. I think that's where it should be. Now, that doesn't say, well, until I get it all figured out, I'm not going to give God glory. No, that's not where we're at. Now, the good news, I mean, not the good news, but the clear news here in this particular passage is that Jesus being God, being part of the Godhead, does understand the glory of God. And so when he's praying about giving God glory, receiving glory from God, I mean, he's understanding it completely. And so we can hear from him this morning and get a better picture for ourselves with our limited abilities. Certainly the glory of God, and to give someone glory, I mean, if I, we can give other people glory, we give other things glory, I mean, we can say, wow, that's really special, that's really important, I, I want to have everybody else look at it, you know, I mean, you get a new brand new car, you might want to give glory to your car, all right, okay, look at my car, isn't it wonderful, okay, just polished it this weekend, no, no, I mean, that sounds silly, I know, but what we can, you can kind of glorify all kind of things, but so important here as we focus on the glory of God and giving Him glory, it is the fact that He is great, God is great, he, He's holy, he, He's perfect, um, He's beautiful, um, we see His glory, in the, in the creation around us uh, this time of year, isn't it wonderful? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's like everything just popping out, yeah? And, and uh, I mean, even though um, the weeds come out with it sometimes, uh, it's still amazing. It's still, I, I'm just, every year, every year of my life, I have been amazed at how a dead bulb puts out such a beautiful flower. You know, that thing was just ugly and dead, you know, and then boop, here it comes every year, bam. Clockwork, you know, um, just amazing that we see the glory of God in His creation. I mean, in the mountains, <laughs> out on the seashore, all of His creation, just astonishing. And really only a glimpse of the glory of God. <laughs> it, 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 this is His creation. This is what He has done. But He Himself is glorious. He's beyond us. Uh, his overwhelming existence, his presence, his being. And so glorifying God is that we will tell him and tell others how great he is. Uh, we will live in that wonder. We will make that the focus of our lives as Jesus indicates here as he prays to the Father. Throughout history, God has revealed his glory in a variety of ways. In the Old Testament, we read about Moses actually asking God to see his glory um, as God was calling him to lead his people. Uh, we know the story. God, God hid him behind a rock. He, he said no one can see him and live. And so jo Moses was hidden by God by his hand behind the rock, and uh, Moses kind of saw the Lord pass by from behind. And, and we know what happened, of course. It was such an amazing thing, and, and the glory of the Lord lit up everything. Light seems to be a part of all of that. And uh, his face glowed. 
and, and uh, he wanted to try to keep that later on, so he put a little cover over his face so people wouldn't see that it was kind of going away. All right, there's a whole story about that. And by the way, we'll get into that later on because uh, we're going to be looking into Hebrews as our next series. Okay, a little taste there, and Hebrews talks about that. But anyway, um, the glory of God was shown to Moses. Um, certainly we find other times in the Old Testament where the glory of the Lord is manifested by fire and smoke and, and just some amazing radiance. Uh, uh, I know there are sections there in the worship of the, in the temple as the temple was dedicated where the glory of God shows up and, and people are on the floor. <laughs> they, they can't stand up. The, the smoke fills the place. They, 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 they can't sing. They can't say anything. It's just overwhelming. Now, I've had moments in my life where it seems like I get close to those times, um, you know, where you just kind of get a sense of God's wonder, and, uh, but you know, it's not in the fullness at all. I mean, it's certainly not a regular ex experience, it, it, it's not happening all the time. doesn't mean that the glory of God still isn't what it is, it's just that my limits on this side of heaven keep me from all of that. But Jesus sees it clearly, and he prays for it. Now, he is limited, too, as he prays this prayer. We need to realize that, right? This is Jesus, the incarnate God, okay? He has limited himself to be on earth. God himself, but fully human. And uh, so he is here on earth, and, and this is before his resurrection. And so we hear him praying, and we know that Jesus himself has come to make clear the glory of God to humanity. Well, we read in the first part of the book of John, in John 1.14, that the Word, Jesus, became human, made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus comes to reveal the glory of God to us. And He also came to bring glory to God the Father, even as he was glorified by dying on the cross and rising from the dead, as we have celebrated over the last two weeks. And through this, he has brought glory to the Father, showing the love of God for all mankind. So to give glory to God is to point to him as the source of all things. It's to praise him. It's to honor him to respect him, to love him, to obey him. Jesus did all of that perfectly, as only he could. We have not done that perfectly. We, we wrestle with it. Even in our redeemed relationship with God, we're still wrestling with the fleshly part of ourselves. And we haven't had a full experience of that praise and worship in the fullness of God's glory. Someday we will. You know, we've been going through the Revelation study with Brian during Sunday school, and, uh, you know, you get toward the end of the book, and uh, all of the crazy war stuff, and uh, people uh, rejecting God's love, and all of the things that take place at the end of time, now is coming to the fullness of God, bringing Jesus back to earth as the king, setting up his kingdom. And ultimately, that all will be 
in the glory of God and the light of his presence will light everything up. All sin will be gone. Everything will be right. And we will worship God in the fullness of what that means forever. Not there yet. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Some of your loved ones are there. <laughs> they, they've seen that in a fullness that they never knew before. And uh, we look forward to that day. But until then, we still are to be about glorifying God. And so we find from Jesus his heart to bring God glory. And there's several things I want to point out today as we look through this. First of all, I want to talk about the fact that Jesus' heart was to bring glory to God in the relationship of the Son with the Father. We find Jesus asking the Father to glorify the Son so that he can give back glory to the Father. We're actually in, in verse 1 there. Father, the hour has come. Now, he's already talked about that before in his discussion with the disciples. His hour has come. The time has come. This is what he came to earth for, to go to the cross, to bear the sins of mankind, to pay the penalty for sin, to bring total forgiveness for all who will come to him in faith, to, to really deal with what the main need of mankind is. And all of it is to bring glory to God. We cannot claim any part of our own salvation. You can say, I'm so smart, I read that verse, I prayed that prayer. No, it's not because you're so smart. <laughs> it's not because you learned to read in school. It's none of that. It's all by God's grace. Now, certainly he uses his word. He uses the teaching. He uses other people in your life. But ultimately, it's all from God. Our salvation, our redemption brings him glory because it all points to him. And so Jesus is praying to God that as he goes through this hour that has come, as he goes through this time to bring glory to him, to lift him up. Of course, we know from what he said earlier in this context that if he's lifted up, he'll draw all mankind to himself. And so it does bring glory to him, but he is God. He can say that. Okay, if you and I said, well, God, bring glory to me like you have glory. Well, that would be really blasphemous. <laughs> We're not God, but Jesus is. Okay, and so he says, bring glory to me so that, now notice what Jesus says, so that I might give back the glory to you. Now, I think that is an indicator for us. The relationship that Jesus has with the Father, God and God, <laughs> the Father and the Son, okay, is one that is complementary in giving glory. God gives glory to the Son so that all can see how great God is and the love of God for all mankind. And then the Son says, I want all the glory to go back to the Father. Well, as we live our lives, shouldn't that be what we're about? If God does something in us and through us, if God uses us as his children to do something good for his kingdom, if, as Jesus said in John 15, you know, we can do nothing apart from him, but boy, as we trust him, he does amazing things. Okay, so who gets the glory? Well, if you try to steal it for yourself, guess what? It's a dead end. <laughs> All right, but the result is for me, for us to return, to, to point to point to God. It's all from him, right? And I, I hear many of you say that. Wow, isn't it great what God has done? And, and somehow he used me. I, I've thought a lot about that. Um, I, I, don't, I think we get little glimpses, by the way. I don't think we really know most of the time how God uses us, okay? Um, I think that sometimes we think we do, okay? But, but he's much greater than what we think. 
all right? So there are probably a lot of times that God's used you that you have no idea about. Once in a while, I'll get a note from somebody that goes way back. I mean, as you get older, you get notes from way back, okay? And so they'll say, well, this happened. You, you said this. I have no idea that that happened. I think in heaven's going to take forever because we're going to have the forever to rejoice and enjoy what God has done through us. And guess who we point to? Him. <laughs> we, we don't even know, right? And it's going to be amazing. So Jesus is praying this way, and he says that, Glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you as he looks forward to what he's going to be doing of dying on the cross. But it's all about relationship, isn't it? It's all about relationship of Jesus the Son with God the Father that they would glorify each other. And it's all about relationship with us, with God. You know, it's the relationship that makes it real, (laughs) It's not just theological belief. It's just not knowing all about the Bible. It's just not saying the right words. It's knowing God. We're going to get more into that as we get into this passage. But, but it really is a relational connection that causes us to say, Lord, you are so good, and I praise you. I heard you singing that this morning. I can hear you, okay? I'm up here. I'm enjoying not only what I hear from up here, but I'm enjoying what I hear from back here. Yeah, We're glorifying the Lord together, and in that there is blessing, there is encouragement, and it all points to God the Father. He's the source of it all. Now, we have seen God glorify the Son throughout the ministry of Jesus on earth. We know that when Jesus uh, was baptized and, and when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, God spoke out loud. God the Father said, this is my Son. I'm really pleased in him. Listen to him. Point to him. Giving him glory. And then Jesus prays here that his desire and purpose is to give glory back to the Father. Now there is also glory in this relationship as the Father gives the Son authority over everyone. For you have given him authority, Jesus prays. That's himself. He's talking about himself in the third person. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. The Father gives the Son authority over everyone. Now, not everyone recognizes the authority of Jesus. Right? Sometimes even us who belong to Jesus don't recognize his authority. That's sort of the problem we have in our human condition. But that doesn't change his authority. He still is king of kings. He still is Lord of lords. And there will be a day, right, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That day will happen, whether people believe it or not. The Bible says it's true. It's going to happen. But in the meantime... We have the opportunity, of course, by God's grace and his love, to come to him, to willingly submit ourselves to the one who truly is the authority and recognize that now so that it's not a forced situation that we really miss the blessing, but that we come into the relationship with God. Jesus is Lord. The Bible says that nobody can say that unless the Holy Spirit leads you. All right, why is that? Because, again, it's all from God. When we submit our hearts to him because he's calling us and drawing us, when we receive him into our lives and he changes us 
And then he changes our heart so that we have that heart relationship with him. And then we declare that he's Lord. It's all from him. And it's by his spirit. Now Jesus did say to his disciples, and one of his last words while here on earth, here on earth you find it in Matthew chapter 28, the great commission we call it. But he says, I have been given all authority in heaven on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. Jesus' authority, given by the Father, re revealed in his death and resurrection, and certainly his place in the Godhead, he has not only for himself in ministry, but to give to those who he calls to be those that go. That's you and me. It's not just those that were standing there when he said that before his ascension. Right? That great commission, his command to us is for all of us as believers. And the reason that we can go and make disciples is not because we have our own personal skill and ability, but because Jesus is Lord, because he is the authority, and he's the one that can change hearts. He's the one that can speak to hearts that you, I mean, have you ever talked to somebody about the Lord and they don't seem to have any interest at all, and you get frustrated, right, and you want to give up, all right, or maybe you're even afraid to say something about it because you're not sure how they're going to respond. Well, the good news is that Jesus is the authority, not you. And if you just are faithful to him, it's amazing what he will do. And you might not see it. You might not see it in your lifetime. I, I've talked to many parents who have been praying for children. And, and some of them have gone home to be with the Lord before there was really an activity in the life of their child. And I've seen their children later come back to the Lord or come to the Lord. God's at work. We trust him. He's the authority. Jesus is the one that does the work. And so we go in his name. We go with his authority. But we go in obedience because he says, you, do this. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything I've, I've taught you, baptizing them. We go in the authority of Christ, the authority, the power that Jesus gives. Jesus is Lord. All will be submitted to him. Jesus is the final judge of all men. Jesus will do all that the Father wishes and will be glorified in doing so. And in doing so, he brings the Father glory. And then thirdly, this glory comes in giving eternal life. In verses 2 and 3, Jesus says, He gives eternal life to each one you have given him, and this is the way to eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Jesus is the one who gives eternal life, but he says clearly it is to the ones that the Father has given to him. They are in connection with each other. The Holy Spirit, of course, is a part of this as well in convicting of sin and righteousness. The Godhead is all involved in people coming to have eternal life. Again, it's nothing that we do on our own. No one comes to the Father except the Father draws them to himself. No one is going to come to Jesus, as Jesus says here. They're the ones that the Father has given. So it is his initiative. It is his work in a life that makes it happen. In John chapter 6, verses 37 to 40, Jesus says this, Those the Father has given me will come to me, 
and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is the Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Dear friends, if, if you've come to know Christ as your Savior, you can rejoice that God has drawn you to him. You can rejoice that in your deadness and unawareness and even rejection and running from God that he didn't give up on you and he drew you to himself. If you don't know the Lord, you might be saying, well, maybe I missed it. I don't think so. I think he might be drawing some of you here today. Yeah. Don't get into a mindset that God doesn't love you. <laughs> Don't get into a mindset because you've had trouble or you're stubborn or you want to do things your own way that you can miss what God has for you. But have an open heart. Listen to the Spirit of God. Realize that God is drawing you. Pay attention. And as he does, respond. And you will find yourself on the other side. <laughs> You'll find yourself in the privileged position that Jesus talks about right here. Because he does say, doesn't he, that he's not going to lose anyone that the Father's given. Isn't that a great position to be in? I hope you're all there. God wants you to be. He doesn't want you to be wandering around on your own power and missing what he has for you. He has done everything he possibly can do for your salvation. Sent his only son to die on a cross for your sin. Rose from the dead to bring life to those who are dead in their sins. Has gone to heaven to prepare a place and will come again to receive all that belong to him to himself. He's done it all for you. Has nothing to do with his needs. He's perfect. He didn't need any of that. He did it all for you. And he's calling you if you've not come. Respond to him. And then Jesus says this. He says that eternal life is knowing God and Jesus. A kind of an interesting statement in the midst of a prayer. Remember that he's praying out loud. He's praying that was recorded by John, his disciple. We're reading it today. His prayer is to be heard. All right. Certainly it's intimate. It's him and the Father talking. But it's to be heard because this he wants his followers to know what's important. And so he prays here in the midst of his prayer that, to, that eternal life, he says, eternal life, is to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. This is eternal life, knowing God in a personal way. Uh, this week I, I uh, was substituting for uh, another person who usually teaches in the Cubbies group. Anybody know who the Cubbies are? 
cubbies are three to five-year-olds. I'm a little bit taller than most of them. Yeah. So, and my wife works in there, so it's kind of easy for her to find somebody else to teach, you know. You want to have supper tonight? Come on over. Okay. Yeah. So this week's lesson was uh, on Paul and Silas and preaching the gospel and being arrested for preaching the gospel and thrown into prison and put in the stocks. You know the story, right, in Acts? And, and, and so here they are, in, and it's almost midnight, and you know what they're doing when they're in these stocks and they're in prison? They're not moaning and groaning. They're glorifying God. <laughs> they're singing and praising the Lord. And in the midst of all that, God sends this earthquake. And the earthquake opens the gates of the prison and knocks off all their shackles. And the jailer, he's going to kill himself because he figures he's failed in his job. And they're all going to escape. And so he might as well just take his life because it'll be taken anyway for not doing his job. And Paul says, wait, 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 don't do it. We're all here. I'm always amazed by that. I mean... I get it for Paul and Silas to be there, but all those other prisoners didn't run out? That's a work of God. <laughs> We're all here. And the jailer says, amazing what he says, right? What must I do to be saved? I mean, God's at work here, friends. I don't think a typical Roman jailer would first question be after an earthquake in a prison, what must I do to be saved? Of course, Paul says, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and even all in your household. So the jailer takes him home, <laughs> cleans him up, invites him into the house, feeds him, takes care of him. I mean, the work of God there, amazing. Yeah, that's eternal life, knowing God and Jesus, the Son, God the Father and Son. That's what happened to the jailer. <laughs> he didn't know that before. He didn't have eternal life before. He was lost. He was afraid. He thought he was going to die. Instead, through all that, God worked in that prison through his people to bring that jailer and his family into the knowledge of knowing God the Father and Jesus the Son. He's still doing that, isn't he? Jailers, prisoners. You know, how many people, how many people in history have come to know God through Jesus in prison? A lot. I can think in my lifetime, lots of different people. They went to prison because they messed up. But you know what they found? They found Christ in prison. He found them. <laughs> Let's get to the right point. Yeah, it's not always a bad thing to go to prison. I don't want to go, by the way. But if God meets you there and you come to know him and your life's saved for eternity, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, God's at work everywhere. So Jesus is praying. He's praying about eternal life. You see, that, that's a major function here of the Son of God. He's all about people coming to eternal life. Why did he come to earth? That's why. That we would have eternal life in him. 
That's why he died. That's why he rose again. That's why he came. That's why God the Father sent him. That's why God the Spirit is at work drawing people. That's what it's all about. And you know why? Because it all brings glory to God. God is glorified when our lives are changed by him. We're talking this week at staff. We just kind of go over the scripture verses. Uh, I get some input from them. And one of the things I brought up and I've heard people talk about is that, wow, God wants us to give him glory. Isn't he kind of egotistical? Whoa, pastor, you're getting a little heretical here. Be careful. Okay. It kind of sounds that way from a human perspective. But remember who we're talking about here. We're talking about the one who deserves the glory. <laughs> the one who truly is perfect. The one who truly is holy. The one who has done everything for us when we deserve nothing. He deserves our praise. <laughs> and he has made us, you and me, to praise him. If we don't get in a position where we're glorifying God, we're not in the place that God made us for. No wonder so many people are miserable because they're all about themselves. They're, they're all about this world. They're all about things that are temporary. And they miss it. Jesus says eternal life is knowing God. And it's the best life, and it's life forever. And we also find in this passage that Jesus prays about giving God glory by completing the work he was sent to do. Verse 4, I brought, you glory, I brought glory to hear you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. As I mentioned, we're going to be going into a study on the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, we're told of Jesus being the perfect sacrifice, the all-sufficient high priest, and the one who has brought us into a new covenant relationship with God through his shed blood for our sins. Hebrews also points to the truth that Jesus fulfilled all of the requirements of God that no one ever had done. Jesus completely kept, when he was on earth here in his human form, he completely kept all of the Ten Commandments perfectly. None of you have done that. And if you've told me, you just broke one. You lied, right? So. <laughs> he comp completed them all. He also fulfilled all of the requirements that we read throughout the Old Testament. He completed all of the prophecies that were given about the Messiah. Impossible for anyone to do that except by God's miraculous work. Jesus is the perfect one, required to be the perfect sacrifice, first of all, for us, but also to fulfill all that was required by God as the one who is the Savior. And Jesus said, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. His purpose in it all was to bring glory to God, and he did so. Hebrews 10, 5, and 7 says that when Christ came into the world, he said to God, 
You do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the Scriptures. He did all that he was sent to do. Miracles, teaching, keeping the law, dying on the cross, rising from the grave, loving all mankind, showing all of us who the Father is. Therefore, his sacrifice satisfied the Father on our behalf. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He was sinless. He is the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world by taking them on himself and dying in our place. And it all brings glory to God. He deserves all the praise. And so we find in this final section of the first part of this prayer, in verse 5, that Jesus asks the Father to bring him back to the place of enjoying the shared glory with the Father in heaven. He prays, Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Jesus had intentionally given up that position he held to come to be our Savior. In Philippians 2, we read that Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He willingly limited himself and gave up the wonder of the relationship he had with God the Father in heaven. He lived among us, experiencing temptation, experiencing the limitations of fallen humanity, but never sinning. And so Jesus here prays to go home where he and the Father have an eternal relationship. And so he has gone home. So he has ascended following his resurrection. So he is there representing us to the Godhead. He's still all about his love for you and me. Do you know that? Hebrews 7.25 says that he lives forever to intercede with God on our behalf. What does that mean to you? I can tell you what it means to me. He's more than wonderful. He died for me, and he died for you. He rose again victorious, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for all who belong to him. Do you need somebody to represent you in the Godhead? You better believe it. And he does. And he does it perfectly. And so when the accuser of the brethren, the devil himself, says, Oh, look what they did today. And we already feel ashamed about it. But Jesus said, My blood covers all that. They're mine. They're okay. They're mine forever. Forever, friends. Forever. And the forever is that we glorify God because of what he's done. We praise him. How? Certainly with our voices. But it's not just that, is it? It's with our very lives. How did Jesus glorify the Father? Well, he spoke words of praise, but he glorified him by completing everything he said. He obeyed him. 
even to the point of death. Even to the place where at the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if it's possible, can't you take this and make this different? Even sweating drops of blood. But concluding that time by saying, Father, may your will be done. That's the life of those who follow Jesus. That's glorifying God. Lord, whatever, I'm yours. Take me. Use me. Because you are worthy. You are worth. You made me. You redeemed me. Don't forget the reason you're here is not because you decided to be here. <laughs> Nobody can say that. We're here because God ordained that we would be a living creature of his. But not just to live this life and get through it and say, oh man, we made it. <laughs> but to actually live a life that glorifies him. If we're followers of Jesus, our lives are to be like his. Because he lives in us. We're to be desiring in every way to glorify God. We're to be those who pray like Jesus prayed. Father, may you receive glory through my life. Father, may others get to a place of knowing you and having eternal life as a result of Jesus in me. Father, I'm looking forward to the day when we really will know your full glory in your presence. May that be our prayer. Just like Jesus. We're not him, but he lives in us. And as he does, we're to be living as he lived. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this prayer, that we can hear our Savior praying, that, that we, can, we can get into his heart, and that we can let him get into our heart, that we will be focused on giving you glory in all that we think, say, and do. Lord, may it be so. Lord, may we seek to know you more, for that's where eternal life is through your word, in prayer, in praise, in fellowship with each other, in living an accountable life before you. And Lord, help us to live an obedient life, doing what you say. And Lord, I pray today, if there's anyone here outside of your grace and love, and they know that they need you, that they would recognize your love and your call upon them. And realize that they're your focus, that you love them, and that they would open their hearts to Jesus today. In his name I pray, amen. Stand and sing with us, please.
As you go from here today, remember these words that really apply to us glorifying God every day. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. God bless you as you go.